Welcome, everybody, to Hope for Our Times. Hey, we had a slight technical problem, so we missed the intro, uh, but I can tell there's some people watching, so praise the Lord. Uh, that's exciting. Hey, listen, I want to let you know also, I'll be taking questions at the end of uh, our time here, uh, so make sure, save your questions for the end, or I won't catch them unless they're at the very end. Think through your questions so they're short and to the point, and write the word QUESTION in all caps when you do it. I'll remind you when we get to the end, uh, but we have exciting things. Hey, listen, tomorrow, Monday, 2 o'clock, West Coast time of the United States, I'm going to have a live program with Vindog. He's going to be my Monday afternoon guest, and I uh, look forward to having people from all over the world watching. It's always exciting hearing from so many people in all different parts. I'm going to have Jay Fallon back from Australia coming up and a few other guests uh, that are awesome that you guys have really liked. Uh, they'll be coming back also, so I'll keep you updated. But tomorrow is going to be live at 2 p.m. West Coast time in America. And uh, make sure that you watch it. It'll be myself with Vindog, and we'll take your questions also when we are done. A couple of other business items. I'm getting people that are asking me about all of the censorships that are taking place because they're increasing. Now they involve climate. So I have to be very careful tonight about what I say because I wasn't prepared tonight to go off of YouTube and onto just, uh, just my own server. Uh, but nevertheless, what we are going to be going back to is Roku. Uh, once we get up on Roku, you'll know that. So for people who want to just sit uh, and they want to watch on their TV, some of you are certainly watching on your TVs right now, many people on their phones, other people on your laptop or at your desk or whatever. But for folks who want to watch the TV, if it's something that I know I'm going to be, uh, it's too sensitive of content for YouTube, uh, we're working with Roku to be able to have it on Roku so you can watch it on your TV, sitting on your couch or wherever it is uh, that you want to be able to watch it from. We'll get on as many different venues as we can. So I'm going to do my best to make sure that I stay within the bounds tonight, but I'm going to be presenting some things that might be a little bit uh, challenging to those who might have a little bit uh, to, to the censors. To the let's, let's put it that way. Um, so we're going to get going through some things. This is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to start with the minor prophets. And as you think of the minor prophets, they're not minor in content. In fact, you could call it minor prophets, uh, major events. And we're going to look at the reason why they're called minor prophets in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to start with the book of Joel. And the reason I picked the book of Joel, it's not the first one in chronological order. And uh, also the book of Joel is... Um, uh, not the first one even in my Bible, as my Bible is laid out. So the title of the message that we're going to have from the book of Joel tonight is the day of the Lord is at hand. And the reason, with an exclamation mark, the reason I'm starting with the book of Joel is because that is the question I get most often when people are talking about the prophets, apart from Ezekiel or some passages from Isaiah, they want to know certain passages going on with the book of Joel. So we're going to look at those. And right now, let me tell you, there's some things I'm going to share with you tonight, right now, and then in the middle, and then especially towards the end that are going to, listen, you got to pay attention. Um, things are happening, and it's remarkable. So let's start with this one, first of all. Uh, I had a few people that sent this to me this morning. Don Stewart sent it to me. Uh, James Cadiz did also. And Monkey sent this to me. Look at this article from the Daily Post. Now look at this. Pay close attention to this. China prepares for possible large-scale COVID-19 outbreak leaked CCP documents. 
Okay, I want you to think about this. Uh, when, when I saw this document this morning, I texted Don Stewart back and James back, and I said, man, this is reminiscent of 2019. It was this type of thing, December of 2019, that we were watching. And I remember talking with Don and saying, uh, man, I think we're going to go into lockdowns early 2020. And then sure enough, uh, we did. Uh, when it's uh, just going back and forth with Monkey earlier today, looking at this thinking, okay, where is all of this going? Yeah, I, I can't say too much because I'll get in trouble. I can't give you too much of an opinion on this channel, um, but I can give you uh, enough to, uh, that you can figure some things out. So this is what this document goes on to say. Uh, one, one document, you can see it there in the middle of your screens, is titled Notice of Further Strengthening of Epidemic Prevention. And then you have the other document. The other is a National Day Epidemic Prevention Notice. And then you look at the bottom of your screen. It says the documents are both marked extra urgent. Okay, now let's go on from there. Look at this. Both notices request enhanced preparations for an emergency response to the outbreak. Now, this is speaking of an outbreak still coming. Right, they're saying it's going to come. How do they know it's going to come? They've been paying attention. Again, this is so reminiscent of back in 2019. Okay, back to the document again. It goes on and it says, one of the is to build, get this, can you read that on your TVs? One is to build central isolation sites with local authorities required by the end of October, get this, to set up isolation centers and rooms of not less than 20 rooms per 10,000 people. That's 500 people per room. Okay, now it says the scale of each isolation site must be more than 100 rooms. I mean, you look at this, you go, this is happening, this is going on. Okay, now according to public data, the population, let's go back to this, guys, if you could. According to public data, the population of Fujian province uh, in 2020 was 41.54 million. As of September of, of uh, uh, as of September 19, the province has set up 35,691 quarantine rooms. Look at that. Look at the last paragraph. Based on the standard in the epidemic prevention notice, Fujian province will need to build at least 83,000 quarantine rooms. Again, 500 people per room. 83,000 quarantine rooms by the end of October, which is around 47,000 rooms in less, um, in less than a month. So you, I'm looking at this going, okay, where's all this going? You guys just figured things out for yourself. Again, because I can't give you too much of my opinion on this, on this channel right now. Uh, but uh, you look at this, and it should cause you some concern. Listen, we're going to look at China towards the end of this because there's some things that are going on there that people are not paying attention. Uh, and uh, we're going to get there, all right? Uh, but I want you to see this also before we continue, before we look at the book of Micah. Check this out. Over 130 countries reach agreement to set corporate minimum tax at 15%. What is this about? I'm going to tell you what this is about again towards the end of the message. But going back to the document, it says this. Out of the 140 countries involved, 136 supported the deal, and then it lists the four that are abstaining. Now look at this, the next paragraph. The Paris-based Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which has been leading the talks, said that this deal would cover 90% of the global economy. So now you're looking at taxing, uh, taxing every corporation that's out there, 
for the global economy. What is the purpose of that? I'm going to tell you what it's about when we get to the end. You know, looking at this going, it is, as Don Stewart says, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, we're not done yet. If you, were, if you followed my message from earlier today in Revelation chapter 17, I brought this up. And look at the title of this document. One World Religion Headquarters is set to open next year in 2022. Wow, does that sound interesting? You better believe it does because that's the intention of, uh, of the globalists. That's the intention of the spiritual, the spiritual leaders of the world that don't know the Lord. And that's what the Bible tells us is going to happen in the last days. Now, this document goes on to say, and I'll just read the first sentence to you because I want to get on with this and show you other things that are happening. A one world religion headquarters is set to open in 2022. The headquarters will be called the Abrahamic Family House and is being built on an island in the Middle Eastern city of Abu Dhabi. Okay, folks, listen, I'm going to be connecting these and several other things as we get through uh, to the end of the message. Um, I'll tell you this much. We live in exciting days. I mean, really incredibly exciting days. Uh, Paul Washer said this, with one hand, God is motioning man to come to him. With the other hand, he is holding back his wrath. Soon, God is going to drop both hands. I think that's a great quote. Uh, when, you look at, uh, when you look at events of the day and you see it and you start to put it together with the way things are going to unfold in the last days, God is holding back his, the wrath with one hand, the restrainer, right? Restraining. He's motioning people to still come to him. There's still time to get saved. It's only a matter of time before God drops both hands. That's what the Bible teaches. Things are going that way. Uh, so let's think about this. From the book of Joel, the day of the Lord is at hand. Okay. This morning, I was also in Revelation, as I mentioned, in Revelation chapter 17. Hey, can one of you guys get that for me? I just dropped something on the floor over here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Dropped it down there. Um, so this morning, Revelation chapter 17, um, I'm teaching, and we come across this verse. Verse 17, Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, you have, oh, thank you very much. In Revelation chapter 17, you have, uh, the, the woman who rides the beast, the harlot religious system. You got that mystery Babylon. You have the globalist leaders. You have the 10 kings, the 10 kingdoms of the earth. You have the Antichrist. And then you have Jesus Christ who finishes them off. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 17, the Bible tells us this. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Into whose hearts? Antichrist. And the 10 kings, these globalist elite leaders, listen to this, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, God is sovereign, to be of one mind. Wow. So he's saying, listen, when you look at the global leaders right now and you're thinking, man, they all seem to have the same mind. They all seem to be going the same direction with all these different things that are taking place. And you see them. Why are they all making the worst decisions in the world on the economy? I believe it's intentional. What about the weather things we're hearing about, that the weather laws that are coming? Um, you can figure that out, right? What about the other lockdowns? What about camps? What about housing facilities? What, uh, what is going on? Why do they all have one mind? God, Revelation 17, 
has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. God is going somewhere with this to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast, give their kingdom to the Antichrist, to set up a global system and then put Antichrist at the top. This is remarkable. And then it says, until the words of God are fulfilled. That is absolutely stunning. God says, this whole system that you are watching right now, the religious stuff that's going on, which we'll get into, the Ten Kingdoms and all this, it's God's, God's the one that's sovereign in it to fulfill his purpose, and Jesus is coming. Listen, Jesus didn't just ascend to heaven and say, eh, I'm done. No, he ascended to heaven, and he's coming back, and he's going to finish the job that was started because uh, this is our Father's world. And Jesus is the one who is on the throne, despite Satan being the God of this world at this present time, Jesus ain't going to allow that to stay that way. Jesus is coming back. Okay. As we think of all of the world events, I want you to think of this. This is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter seven, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many that go by it. Listen, folks, it's a very narrow gate. Joshua is told by God, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right. It's a very narrow gate. You must stay focused. There's a lot of people that don't believe what you believe when it comes to the Bible and the second coming of Christ. Listen, the Bible tells us how things are going to go. Okay, with Joel, let's get back to Joel. The day of the Lord is at hand. Think of this. Joel is one of the shortest of all the minor prophets, yet, like all the minor prophets, they are not minor in content but they're minor in length. For example, Ezekiel, Isaiah, you have the major prophets. Isaiah, for example, is 66 chapters. Joel is only three chapters. So hence the term minor prophets and major prophets are not about their content. It's about the length of the letters, the length of the books that they have written. So again, Joel is only three chapters long, hence minor prophet, not minor in content, uh, but minor in length, and it speaks of major events. Joel has been called the book of Revelation of the Old Testament because it has so many similar verses to the book of Revelation, and it also deals with the subject of Armageddon and the Antichrist. It is exciting. It is powerful. It's even frightening. And its purpose, like all of the prophets, is of warning and sounding the alarm. So in Joel chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, the Bible says this, The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Now listen to these words. Again, God's saying, hear this. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children. Listen, as a parent, tell about it. Tell the grandkids about it and their children in another generation. What the chewing locust left, and the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Don't say, hey, tell, tell your children and the grandchildren about this locust invasion. Why? We're going to see why in a few minutes. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land. You know, he's talking about Jerusalem, right? A nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine. Again, he's talking about the Jews. And ruined my fig tree. 
Wow, here Israel's likened to the fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth. For the husband of her youth, the grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who ministers who, who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted. The land mourns for the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Wail, you vine dressers. For the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine has dried up and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Wow, so what is going on here? I'll tell you what this is. This is about the day of the Lord. Think of this. The day of the Lord is the signature of Joel's book. There's only three chapters in this book. And five times in the three chapters, Joel uses this phrase, the day of the Lord. John Phillips wrote, like the drumbeat of doom, the measured tread of marching feet is Joel's recurring theme, the day of the Lord. Specifically, the day of the Lord that's mentioned in chapter one is brought into us with this locust invasion that happens. As verse one opens, Joel identifies himself and also confirms that it's not his word, but it's the word of the Lord that he is delivering. He's saying, look, don't shoot the messenger. I want you to know I'm delivering this. God has given me this message to deliver. I'm the faithful one who's going to deliver it. You guys might not want to hear it. And they didn't want to hear it. The religious leaders didn't want to hear it. Uh, the princes and kings, they didn't want to hear it. Uh, the people in general didn't want to hear it. But there were some faithful people that wanted to hear it. They wanted to hear the truth. There was a remnant. Listen, God always has his remnant. We're witnessing the same thing right now. My guess is you're watching this probably because you want to hear the truth. You want to hear what the Bible says. You want to hear what the prophecies are in the Bible. Or you're at least curious to say, okay, something's going on. I want to hear what's going on. So hence, you're tuning into this. But the day of the Lord is at hand is this reoccurring message from, from, uh, um, from Joel. And remember, he's saying, this is God's message. This isn't mine. Never forget, Joel is letting us know that God is in heaven and we are not. Don't forget that. God is in heaven and we are not. Solomon wrote something like that too. Stay heavenly minded. Stay focused in his word. When it comes to Joel, think of it this way. The pen was Joel's, but the prophecy was the Lord's. Wow. Uh, let's think of some things. Okay, you ready? Let me bring together uh, a few more things. As we look at today, the here and now, we see, we read our Bibles, we tell the world what's coming, and like Joel, simply because God tells us what is coming. Uh, you probably tell some of your friends, hey, listen, this is what's going on. You can see things and you have your Bible and you're thinking, why on earth can't these other people see this stuff that's happening? Why can't they see it? It's so obvious to me. I read my Bible and I can see all of the dots connecting. Why can't they see it? It's very similar to the way it was with Joel. He sees it. He knows it. He's writing about it. He's prophesying it. The people didn't want to hear it. So we look at things that are going on today. Check this article out. Uh, just this week, reduce population to save the planet, says former UK finance chief. Save the planet. Listen, I got to be careful what I say here. 
Well, I'll just put it this way. This has something to do with the weather. Think I can get away with saying weather? Okay, because <laughs> I just, because, all right. So this has something to do with what we're hearing about, right? Reduce population to save the planet. What on earth is going on? Okay, look at this. Look what this says. First paragraph. Britain and other Western nations, can you guys switch over to this so they can read it? Uh, Britain and other Western nations should become, should welcome, excuse me, declining populations and aging demographics as it will help them meet climate change goals, the former chairman of the Financial Services Authority has argued. What on earth? They're saying this is great. Declining populations, aging, this is great that people are going to die. So you... I got I to be careful here. But again, you start looking at things, you go, wait a minute, why are certain things happening? What, what, I mean, we've been hearing about depopulation for a long time, right? And then we have something like this. Again, I got to be careful. Pope Francis calls for urgent action to curb global warming. Of course. I'm surprised he's saying global warming, not, you know, weather change, right? So think of this. The Pope says that uh, we need to offer concrete solutions to save the planet from an unprecedented ecological crisis. The faith and science towards the COP26 meeting brought together Christian leaders, including Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, Orthodox Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew, as well as uh, representatives of Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, um, Sikhism, Buddhism, Confucianism, and on down the list. Um, you have all different religious backgrounds involved, including Protestants. Um, this appeal described the weather change as a grave threat. The faith leaders who have come to have come represent about three quarters of the world's population. See, this go, this got this whole thing is a religion. And understand what's happening here. If you, if you don't, I connected the dots in my message earlier today um, in Revelation chapter 17. So I'm not going to go into that. But, but understand what's going on here. Um, listen to this. Well, be a spiritual leader of the world's Anglicans. Get, get what he says. Called for, you ready for this? A global financial architecture which, rep, which repents of its past sins. Ready for this? Including changes in tax rules to promote green activity. Okay, stop here for a second. Remember in the beginning, I showed you a couple of different articles. One is this All Faith Center, which I'm going to get to that in just a second. And also the, this 15% tax increase. And, and these globes are saying this is a great idea. Most countries have already gone along with it. It says, again, there's a quote from the spiritual leader representing the world's Anglicans. A global financial architecture, which repents of its past sins. This is saying we have sinned against Mother Earth. I, I want you to think about this. The shift in Romans chapter 1 is official. The people worship the creation rather than the creator. Repent of our sins, not against God, not the sins that Jesus has forgiven us for, but the sins against Mother Earth. And what are we going to do? Out of pocket, tax the world. And the world says, this is a great idea. Tax rules to promote green activity. Folks, this is, to me, absolutely stunning. But it doesn't stop here. Okay. I want you to think of this. Also in the beginning of this, I talked about this one world religious system. 
set to become official in 2022. Ready? Okay, Damon Duck writes. So you start putting all of these things together. Damon Duck writes this. Concerning a one-world religion, in February of 2019, so almost three years ago, Pope Francis and a Muslim sheikh, Ahmed Al-Tayyib, signed an agreement called the Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace. I'm not making these things up. The purpose of their document is to merge the religions to create world peace. They established a higher committee of human fraternity to bring together people of all backgrounds, beliefs, and nationalities. Hence, as we watch the COP26, as we watch this tax to the world to pay for our past sins, wow, they soon announced plans to build a complex called the Abraham uh, Family House in Abu Dhabi. That's the one that I showed you in the beginning. The Abrahamic family house will have church, mosque, and synagogue, um, and a fourth place for people of all religions to come together as one body. So separate places, Christian, Jew, Islam, and then something for everybody else, right? Whatever you are, atheist or whatever, doesn't matter. Wow. They will promote peace, coexistence, and brotherhood among all religions. I guarantee you, there'll be no peace, no coexistence, no brotherhood if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you tell somebody this Bible is true. <laughs> Not a chance. In November of 2019, Catholic Archbishop Vignanos, continues Damon Duck, compared the Abrahamic family house to the Tower of Babel and called it Pope Francis' initiative to convert the church into a new global New Age religion. Carlo Vignano is one I've quoted several times lately. He's been all over the place calling these things out. In early October 2021, which is where we are right now, it is reported that the construction of the house, the Abrahamic house, is on schedule. It will open in 2022. At the same time, it was reported that there are now plans to build a second Abrahamic family house in New York. That, uh, that Damon Duck says I'm not so sure about, but what I have read is plans for Berlin. And Damon Duck asked the same question that I asked. How about Iraq, where Babel and Babylon once were? I mean, I look at these things, folks, and you can't make this stuff up when you start looking at where, uh, at where we are. Just absolutely um, stunning. Joel, let's get back to the book of Joel now, all right? So Joel was one of the earliest of all the prophets. He prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah, but even more so his prophecies pointed to the last days, the days that we are on the verge of. That's why when you're looking at the book of Joel, you can tie in these other things and go, oh my, my. Uh, again, he talked many five times, the day of the Lord in these three short chapters. Um, we'll have references regarding the kingdom of Antichrist, the prophecies of Armageddon, the great tribulation, uh, the second coming of Christ when Jesus returns, and on down the list. It's believed that he probably wrote these words around 835 B.C. after David is gone and after Solomon was also gone and when Judah had turned from God. Okay. With Joel, the name Joel means Jehovah is God. Uh, for us, it would be similar uh, if you were to, you had a kid and uh, you named your kid something that meant this. So Joel means Jehovah is God. If you, you named your child and your child's name meant Jesus is Lord. Wow, that's a crazy name, isn't it? Jesus is Lord. As a young man, it's also possible 
that Joel may have known Elijah or more likely Elisha, uh, quite possible because they would have been prophets about the same time. A lot of these prophets were prophesying about the same time. They have all these different, uh, throughout, the, throughout the generations of them, they were mixing with other, uh, the same time frame with these other prophets. Um, it's quite possible they knew of them or certainly knew of them if they didn't know each other. Like today, I know certain prophecy teachers that are like-minded. So Joel would have been like-minded with the faithful, the, the ones who are honestly preaching the word of the Lord. He was like-minded with them like uh, I am today. I'm like-minded with certain, uh, certain other uh, pastors that are teaching Bible prophecy. I think of J.D. in Hawaii. He's over in Hawaii. I'm very well aware of him. I have a link on my website to his website. Um, I talk with J.D. every now and then, and I've seen him at events in the past. Um, there's other prophecy teachers, too. Uh, Don Perkins is a real close friend of mine. Don Stewart and James Cadiz are. And there's some others that might be on the East Coast or even on the West Coast. I know of them, uh, but I'm not as close with them. We're not going to be able to get over together for dinner. We may have spoken on the phone. We may have emailed each other or something like that. So think of it like that. When you have some of these prophets, they're prophesying in the same time frame with other prophets. Hmm. Uh, they probably knew of each other. Maybe they even knew each other. But I think of it today in the same way, preaching the same message, Jesus is coming, uh, we better look up. So here when you have the day of the Lord, as, as, as um, Joel is opening up his message, he uses a real life illustration of an invasion of locusts. It was a locust invasion that had already happened, one that had recently taken place in the land, and it was fresh in the minds of uh, the people and especially the farmers. The devastation brought by the locusts was great, and Joel makes it clear that it was a judgment from God, but there's a far greater judgment that is coming. Think now what God is warning us of. So with Joel, here's this locust invasion that happened. It was devastating. Tell your children, tell your grandchildren. Remember, we read that. But, there, but it's pointing to, Joel's letting us know, it's pointing to something else that is still coming in the future. So think now what God is warning us. Uh, preachers that believe that the Bible is true and the prophecies regarding the second coming of Christ are not symbolic. The ones that say, no, this is real, pay attention. Think of this. In the time of Ahab, Ahab had 400 lying prophets. He just told them what he wanted to hear. They were called prophets, supposed to be teaching the truth of God's word. 400 of them, but they wouldn't do that. Ah, just don't pay any attention to that. Ahab, he only had one prophet that told the truth, Micaiah, the only one that told the truth. He didn't want to hear the words. He had stopped the ear, shut Micaiah up. I can't say, Micaiah told the truth. But you think of the ones that are telling the truth today. There's a like-mindedness. Look, you better pay attention. Jesus is coming. The day of the Lord is at hand. Over and over, we are warning of supply chains, manufactured famine, economic catastrophe, requirement for people to be identified in order to have their freedoms. We're getting ready to go cashless. We are witnessing the development of a global kingdom and a new world order. And the elite globalists are looking for a leader, someone that they can put at the top and say, he's our man. We're living in this time. It's quite amazing. We even have a religious leader that's known as the Pope that's the main spokesman for all of this stuff. 
they, folks, we live in remarkable times. God is speaking through his word and anyone that has the courage to speak the truth. Jesus is coming back, folks, and the day of the Lord is at hand. I get people that will email me, certainly this week and after this message, how could you say the day of the Lord is at hand? I can tell you right now because I read my Bible. And the Bible tells me what to look for. Jesus says to watch and be ready. Jesus says to watch and pray. Hundreds of signs of the second coming of Christ. And I'm going to be faithful to preaching the whole counsel of God's word, not skipping it, not saying, well, it really doesn't mean that. Eh, just all that stuff is just symbolic. You can't really believe that kind of stuff. We just need to do a big group hug and get along. Here in Joel, we read first about the locust as an illustration uh, for uh, judgment of the coming number one invasion, just two things. And these are going to go pretty fast. I promise to be on time and I want to get to your questions. But the first thing is the invasion. So we read about the invasion verses two through four. Uh, we saw it, the invasion of the locusts. That's what happened. But God is talking about another invasion. So, so listen, God told them, remember, he said, tell your children, tell your grandchildren about that great plague of locusts. I live through the plague of locusts. Uh, you might have grandparents or parents that have told you, hey, I lived through the Great Depression or, or World War II or something like that, or I lived through uh, the great drought of the Dust Bowl or whatever it is, right? To put it into perspective of locusts, listen to this. In 1915, a devastating plague of locusts covered what is modern-day Israel and Syria. The first swarms came in uh, March in clouds so thick that they blocked out the sun. The female locust immediately began to lay eggs, 100 at a time. Witnesses said that in one square yard, there was as many as 65,000 eggs. In a few weeks, they hatched and the young locusts resembled large ants. They couldn't fly yet and they got along by hopping. They hopped along 400 to 600 feet a day, devouring every speck of vegetation. After two more stages of molting, they became adults who could fly and the devastation continued. In Joel 4, Joel verse 4, excuse me, uh, Joel gives us an accurate picture of the stages of the locust. Uh, let me show you what it is in, I, I was reading from the New King James. Let me show you what it is in the NIV. And instead of, listen, I, I don't want to hear your emails. How could you quote from the NIV? I love to use the NIV and other translations as illustrative uh, texts uh, to be able to use. But look at this, what the NIV does say in Joel chapter 1. What the locust swarm has left the great locust defeat. And again, you see the transition as the locusts go through their stages. You have the swarm, and then you have the great locusts. And what the great locusts have eaten, the young locusts have eaten. Again, you see them through their stages. What the young locusts have left, the other locusts have eaten. Uh, these stages of locusts illustrate the completeness of God's judgment. When God judges, it will be devastating, remarkable. Um, I want you to think of this also. Over in Revelation chapter 9, the Bible gives another description of locusts. I believe it's spiritual. I believe it is demonic creatures. But check this out. Revelation chapter 9, beginning in verse 2, the Bible says, And he opened the bottomless pit, as smoke arose out of the pit like smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. But then look at this. Ready? Verse 3. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them, listen, these are not grass-eating locusts. Look what these are. 
to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. When you continue to read in Revelation chapter 9, it's obvious it's speaking of demons. So Joel is referencing literal locusts that already happened in an invasion, but prophesying of coming events. Some commentators saying he was prophesying about the Assyrian kingdom coming. Other commentators say he was prophesying about the Babylonian kingdom that was going to come to Judah and just swarm on them. Others say he was prophesying all the way to the tribulation of the verses we just read in Revelation chapter 9 of these great demonic creatures that have this sting upon the earth and they're stinging those who, who reject uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you look at this, it's a judgment that is coming upon the planet during the tribulation period. Um, whether it was the Assyrians or the Babylonians or still to come in the tribulation or Revelation chapter 9, whatever those it is that, that Joel was referring to, the application is the same of God's judgment. Uh, the imagery is real in the minds of the people that Joel was writing to. That's why he said, tell your children, tell your great-grandchildren who lived through the swarm of locusts. The people of Judah had witnessed a great plague of locusts so bad they would tell their children about the plague uh, that they survived. But it was only a picture of something much worse that is to come for what is coming is the day of the Lord. Okay, listen. The day of the Lord is there. I want you to listen to this. These are some more words from Damon Duck. Just listen to this. This is remarkable. Damon's one of my favorite writers. I love the insight that he has. Listen to this. You ready? You sitting down watching this? I hope so, because this is crazy. But he put it together so well. Okay. He writes one concerning the transformation. By the way, you can get this, this same article tomorrow at hopeforourtimes.com. It'll be posted under my featured articles. Uh, concerning the transformation of America and the transformation, restructuring the UN into an all-powerful world government and the surrendering of the sovereignty of America, Damon writes, he says, this writer has heard several pundits refer to Biden's 3.9 trillion 10-year stimulus package as Biden's Build Back Better agenda. Think of this. It is a deep state plan to finance the restructuring of America into a godless nation under a godless world government. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, said the bill has been designed to re-engineer the social and economic fabric of this nation. That's Joe Manchin. Wow. And then Senator Kennedy, a Republican from Louisiana, said it, it, Biden's stimulus package is going to extend the government into every corner of America's life. The globalist deep state needs to transform America, America's government, before they transform world government. And, to this, and this is an, an effort to do that. I wholeheartedly agree. You have to bind the strong man. Satan knows that. You've got to bind the strong man. The Christians are a problem. Those who are standing up for what is right is a problem. America is a problem. Let's move on. Damon Duck goes on and says, concerning the days of Noah, I, I got to turn, did the air conditioner shut off? I'm smoking. This has happened to me before, hasn't it? Yes, I know some of you are right now saying, I, I can only imagine, he's, he's on his phone. He's, he's doing this on his phone. You're right. I, oh no, I didn't give me enough time. That's what my problem is, Kevin. I forgot how long we go on Sunday nights. There, got it. Okay, folks, sorry about that. We got delayed. 
But look at this. Again, Damon Duck's words. These are phenomenal. The insight is, is incredible. You can't make this stuff up. Discerning the days of Noah and great wickedness, on September 29th of this year, was that a week, week and a half ago, investigative journalist and writer Daniel Greenfield posted an article on Rapture Forums that says that 3,595 black people, 3,060 white and Latino people were murdered in 2019. Greenfield said 5,839 black people, 4,160 white and Latino people were murdered in 2020. These facts show that Black Lives Matter demonstrations, the defund the police movement, the release of hardened criminals from jails, etc., have resulted in the increased murder of black people by about 62% and white and Latino by 36%. Put another way, the decrease in protection, release of hardened criminals. If, if, listen, people in California know this. Newsom said basically, uh, let all the criminals out of jail. Wow. It's causing more black people to die than any other group. If black lives matter, then why is this really happening? I believe we're being lied to. Okay, he continues. He says, number five, concerning an increase in the frequency and intensity of natural disasters at the end of the age, on October 1, just last week, it was reported that 50 volcanoes are erupting on Earth at this time, including the largest underwater eruption ever recorded. Recorded. Number six, it's my belief that God's word will be fulfilled exactly as written and the EU will be the main power in the coming world government, not China. Amen. I've said that a thousand times in the last several years. China is not this massive world player in the last days. It doesn't fit with the book of Revelation. It doesn't make any sense. It's been, uh, it's been promoted for decades by prophecy teachers and it's, it's a misapplication of the book of Revelation. Nevertheless, the EU is going to be this major government. Wholeheartedly agree. Now listen to this concerning China, right? Because we looked earlier and I told you I wanted to come back to China. You see what they're doing, building more of these facilities to house people. They're saying we've got another, just like 2019. It's a repeat of the end of 2019. We've got this massive pandemic coming. On September 27, a week and a half ago, an article in the South China Morning Post said a shortage of coal the Delta variant of COVID and other problems have caused 16 of China's 31 provincial jurisdictions, more than half, to start rationing electricity. Folks, I promise you, what we are watching is the collapse of China. Their economy is free-falling. It is being devastated. Without electricity, factories are reducing their hours or shutting down. Production is declining. Inflation is up. And analysts have lowered estimates of China's economic growth. The problem has been going on for several months, but it has worsened in recent months, and some officials say China may not get it under control for several more months. They aren't going to get it under control. China has been threatening to invade Taiwan. I'm not going to read all of that, but I, but I want you to think of this. It's not just that. There's reported problems with food shortages in China, and it is just a mess. Pray for the people in China. Pray for them. It is a mess. And, and what's coming. But they're, they're keep, we keep reading about reports of China going to invade Taiwan. Will it? Will the Biden administration do anything? I don't know. Look what the Biden administration did with Afghanistan. Gave their weapons over to China. What are they going to do with Taiwan? We're supposed to support Taiwan. Where's America on the world stage? We are collapsing. But will China invade Taiwan? Maybe. And I'll tell you why. Because their economy is so devastated and collapsing. Remarkable. Folks, you watch what is happening. Wow. 
7. Concerning empty store shelves, he, Damon Duck writes, um, this writer has, has seen several articles recently warning that some foods, fuel, medical supplies, computer chips for vehicles, Christmas items, etc., are getting in short supply. Some officials are warning that the shortages will worsen before they get better. Some are even advising people to go and do their Christmas shopping now. Update on October 3, it was reported America's ports, rail yards, and trucking facilities are hopelessly clogged. One reported estimated there are one million containers, one million containers waiting to be unloaded off the West Coast alone and many more off the East Coast. Social distancing, quarantines, and mandatory vaccinations are greatly hampering the unloading and movement of goods under the current administration. You look at this, it just continues, and uh, adding credibility to, to all of these problems is the fact that some global deep state officials have publicly said, we need a crisis to bring about a world government. And then he says this, I love how he, how he, how he concludes here, which I, 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 this way I look at all of this. I believe these things are intentional. That's for another message, probably during this week. He asked this, are you rapture ready? Do you know if the Lord called us home now that you would be ready to go home and meet him? Folks, we live in amazing days. Listen, last thing, we're almost done. We're going to be done here in just a minute. And I, I went a few minutes over, but sorry about that. But I, I'll be done here, probably about two more minutes. And then I'm going to take your question. So it goes from the invasion to the incursion. What's the difference between an invasion and an incursion? The invasion is we're coming. The incursion is a hostile entrance into a territory. It is a raid. So the locust invasion of the book of Joel served as Joel as a real-life illustration of the incursion when it turns from invasion to a raid with warriors. In this case, when you look at the last days, there's all these different wars that are going to take place. But really, we know from Revelation 9, we're going to have this demonic invasion that's going to take place. And when you look out throughout the book of uh, Revelation, you see that and the devastation that is coming. Look at this. Joel chapter uh, 1, verse 6 and 7 says this about an incursion. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion. He has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine. He has ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. Um, it, th this is the nation that comes against my land is symbolized by the locust, the, this incursion, this invasion that turns into an incursion. Whose land is it? It's God's land. He's talking about Israel uh, specifically. What could this be talking about? It could be talking about um, Armageddon. It could be talking about the Ezekiel 38 war. It could have been talking about something from the past with the Assyrians or the Babylonians. Um, it could be talking about uh, just the Antichrist when he moves into Jerusalem during the last days and he sets up his, his, his palace there in the land of Jerusalem. And he demands to be worshipped as God, and he turns against the Jews to destroy them. But notice here, he says he is, they have laid God's fig tree to waste. I want to close just with these thoughts, because I get this all the time. Well, see, Pastor Tom, right there, you've said that the fig tree in Matthew and, and uh, Luke isn't necessarily Israel. And, uh, but here, you just said the fig tree is Israel. So which one is it? Because I'm sure some of you are going to send me your questions here in a minute. So I might be able to head that off. Okay. Think of this. Um, in fact, I'm going to go over to Luke. 
where Luke specifically deals with this. So does Matthew. They both deal with this. Let me see. Where should I go? Should I go to Matthew? Should I go to Luke? Let me go over here to Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 21, dealing with the fig tree. This is what God says. Uh, Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 29. You ready? Because it's obvious the fig tree in Joel is speaking of Israel. So this is what Luke chapter 21 um, beginning in verse 29 says, then Jesus spoke to them a parable. And Jesus is talking, it's all of the discourse. He's talking about the last days, the tribulation period, specifically the second half of the tribulation period. He says this, look at the fig tree and all the trees, right? So the fig tree, ah, look at Israel and all the trees. What is that? When they are already budding, you see and know for yourself that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So he's saying, look at the fig tree and all the trees. What's going on here? The fig tree budding when, when everything is happening. Understand it in the context when you look at Luke 21, Matthew chapter 24, you look at the fig tree just because Israel's a fig tree in the book of Joel doesn't mean that specifically to Israel. What Jesus is talking about is all of the events, all of the trees, all these things, this generation that's witnessing all the events take place at that particular time, that generation will not pass away till all these things. Again, it's Jesus' words. How much is all? It's all. So you take all of the, the events converging and granted the nation of Israel must be a nation again because you have the prophecies from Isaiah. You have the prophecies from Ezekiel. You have the prophecies all over the Old Testament. So we know that Israel must be a nation again. The Jews must be back in the land again. So when you take the fig tree, the fig tree is budding. All of these things are happening at the same time. This generation won't pass away. The one that sees all these things happening at the same time. So you look at this and I look at, you look at what's behind me. Uh, the, the, you have the symbol of Israel that is behind me tonight. And um, you think of that. If you were to look at the book of Joel, you go back a, a hundred years or something like that, and, and most people would think, well, would Israel even matter a uh, hundred years ago? People would say, not Israel wouldn't matter. Who would have thought that Jerusalem would be the stumbling stone to world peace and prosperity? Who would have thought that the prophecies would all have come true in one generation? So this is what the Bible teaches, that in one generation, all of these things will come to pass. Just a couple of verses I'm going to read, then we're going to go to questions. Gird yourself, verse 13 of Joel chapter 1, and lament, you priests, wail who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God, for the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast, call a secret assembly, gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Verse 15, alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Wow. Wow. I think of all of these things. Listen, as we wrap up and go to questions, you look at all of the different events that are taking place. Remember also from the words of Jesus, just before you get to the fig tree illustration and all of the trees, all of the events, Jesus said, when you see these things, plural, begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen. You guys ready? 
I'm going to go to questions, but I want to say this before I do any questions. Listen, as you look at the prophecies that are in the Bible, the prophecies are, as my friend Don Stewart says, a means to an end. Uh, you look at the prophetic words of the second coming of Christ. We're watching all of these things develop right now. The hundreds of signs, the hundreds of events. But their purpose is to point us back to Jesus Christ and help us to know that the Bible is true and that we need the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to be forgiven of our sin. Listen, all the prophecies of the second coming of Christ are not going to do anybody any good if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be forgiven of your sin. The purpose of prophecy is not just to make people think, wow, man, that's crazy and that's cool and stuff like that. No, the purpose is to get our attention on the Bible and bring us back to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because we need to be saved. If you don't know Jesus, ask him to forgive you. If you don't think you're a sinner, you are. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. And to sin simply means to miss the mark. In this case, to miss the mark of perfection. In other words, to be without sin, you have to be as perfect as Jesus and ain't nobody there. So we must be forgiven and we can only be forgiven in Christ. Ask him to forgive you. Admit you're a sinner. Repent of your sins. Surrender your life to Jesus. Give your life to him. The prophetic word of Christ's second coming is about to be fulfilled are you ready to meet him? So I want to ask you. Let's go to questions. You guys ready? Can we put questions up here? No? So I could, I could do them all off my, let me do them off my phone. Okay. So uh, that's, I'll just do it on my phone. It'll be easier than me trying to figure out my laptop right now. Trust me. That's okay. We'll get there. Ready? Okay. You guys got questions? I'm reading. Let's see. Put your question in all caps. Put your question in all caps. If you guys don't have any questions, I guess I can go. Oh, here. They're there coming in. Did you see the video of Israeli Prime Minister talking to, this is from Candy, uh, uh, a video of Israeli Prime Minister talking about Israel never being an undivided nation for more than 80 years. No, Candy, I'm sorry. I haven't seen that video. Thank you for asking, though, but I'm sure I'll see it this week. Okay, this comes from Jay Strum. Question, have you seen the two pentagrams buried in the giant video between time marks uh, 333 and 357 only on screen for half a second? No, I haven't seen those either. Um, uh, so sorry about that. I'm batting like zero. Listen, I'm doing a lot every week. I don't have time to see everything. Annette, this comes from. Question, do you believe God would have the church help Get tribulation saints equipped. Absolutely. I think that's what this is about. Um, if you're a faithful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is why I do this stuff. Um, I believe that, or, or somebody told me yesterday, they believe that the things that I teach now, uh, people are going to be watching or they've heard about it right now. Maybe people are watching right now that aren't believers and they won't become believers until the tribulation period. So I'd like to think the things that you do now, the things that I do now will equip those people who don't get saved before the rapture during the tribulation period to go, aha, uh -huh, I remember when I thought those people were crazy talking about this stuff, yet everything is happening just as the Bible says. So absolutely. This comes from Picky Ricky. Question, um, when does the 200 million man of war of Revelation 9 take place? In the middle, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, who is the army made up of? Is it China? Okay, Picky Ricky. I've dealt with this so many times. So has James Cadiz over the last two months. Uh, actually, I started several years ago, but Revelation chapter 9, 
doesn't say anywhere about a 200 million man army. And when you read Revelation chapter 9, you see this description, you go, wait a minute. If you read it, just read it for, read the Bible for what it says. You go, wait a minute, these are demons. That's what's being described here. These creepy looking creatures and, and everything. I went into the content. It can't be a 200 million army man from China. It can't be. And here's what happens, right? Revelation chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 16 get mixed up. I got to hold my hand here on the phone uh, so I can stay up with your questions. Revelation chapter 9 is the trumpet judgments happen somewhere around the middle point of the tribulation period. And it's probably at least two years, maybe three years before the Revelation 16 judgments. Revelation chapter 9 has these 200 million creatures that come up out of the Euphrates. They're like let out of this pit from underneath the Euphrates. They come up out of there. That's not China, right? Revelation chapter 16 says this, and here's where people have, have messed up. In Revelation chapter 16, it says the Euphrates River is going to be dried up. Not these creatures come from underneath, right? It's a whole different thing. It's Armageddon, Revelation chapter 16. The Euphrates River is going to be dried up. The kings from the east are going to come over the dried up Euphrates River. Kings from the east is plural, and it simply means east of the Euphrates. That's what it means. Think of it this way. When the wise men from the east came to, to find Jesus after his birth, where did they come from? Persian kingdom, Right? That was east of the Euphrates. That's east of Jerusalem. But there's people, this is what happened. It was decades ago. China said we could have an army of 200 million soldiers. And a bunch of prophecy teachers said, aha, we're about ready to have this Chinese army fulfilled that's going to fulfill Revelation chapter 16. They're completely different judgments, not connected at all. In fact, Revelation chapter 9, a third of the earth is affected by the plagues, right? Revelation chapter 16 all of the nations come, not just from the kings from the east, but all of the nations are gathered together in Armageddon at the end of the tribulation period. It's at the very end. Will there be an army from China that's involved in it? There could be some armies, some soldiers from China that are involved in Revelation 16. But there is not a 200 million man army. It's, it's actually in, in, uh, uh, impossible uh, for that to happen. I gave the reasons why, the logistic reasons why... Um, uh, 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 several weeks ago. So I'm not going to do that again today. I'll do it again in the future. Maybe I'll make it a real short uh, message that I'll do during the week or something. A uh, question and clarification. What people will go into the millennial uh, period from the earth if those who do not accept the mark of the beast and the believers are killed? I'm not real sure. If, if you could clarify that again a little bit more, Lori, um, that would help. I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. Um, maybe, can one of you guys read it and see if you can uh, figure it out? Um, let me move on to another question. This comes from Jason. Uh, birth pains, how far apart are the contractions? I don't know. You know, you look at everything that's taking place. Ultimately, ultimately understand this. These prophetic events have their fulfillment during the tribulation period. And we need to put everything into the context of the tribulation period. So the signs point to the second coming of Christ. That's where they're really going to be fulfilled. You want to talk about wars and rumors of wars? You want to talk about the pestilences that are going to outbreak? It's going to be outrageous during the tribulation period, right? Because that's ultimately where their fulfillment is. So we are watching these things begin to take place. Even the rhetoric about the globalism and the world looking for a leader and all of this uh, being divided into 10 kingdoms and so forth. We're hearing all of these things now, 
but they have their fulfillment later. So these things will increase substantially during the tribulation uh, period. Uh, let me move on. Question. Updates on the giant from Stephen Smith. That's that, that, that thing that's been traveling the world, this giant thing made out of technology. Listen, here's my take on it. I think it's just getting people used to this idea of people worshiping the image of the beast. But the image of the beast is going to be far more incredible than this giant thing. There's no way that the worship of the image of the beast of Revelation chapter 13 is going to be able to be explained by technology because it wouldn't be that impressive. People go, wow, I saw that giant. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to worship Antichrist and worship his image. There's something more to it when you get to Revelation chapter 13, but I believe it is preparation for um, what is coming. Um, question. Let's move on. Corey uh, says, oh, I already read that question. Let's see. I have no questions. I'm still baffled. It's going fast now. I would agree. Let's see. Question. Who is the White Horseman, the New World Order? That's an excellent question, amigo. That comes from Alicia Cardenas. So is the White Horseman, the New World Order? Okay, let, let me read this in context here. Revelation chapter chapter where am I, 6, the Bible says this. Verse 1, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So is this white horse the new world order? Or is this um, white horse a person? Uh, most of my colleagues believe the white horse is the Antichrist himself. Um, and uh, some people believe it's the, the, the maybe, maybe it's the D10 that's being set up. Maybe it's the G7. Um, but you can see it's going out conquering and to conquer. It has a bow. It has no arrows. So it appears to be conquering through diplomatic ways. We're going to conquer the nations through some kind of diplomatic plans that we have. And if you listen to the rhetoric, this is what's remarkable about this question of what's happening now. When you listen to the rhetoric that's out there right now, it is of one mind, right? Revelation chapter 17, verse 17. Um, it is of one mind. God gives them that. Also, Revelation chapter 17 earlier, a few verses earlier, it says these 10 kings, these 10 globalists have one mind. So it's this conquering the world without weapons. So it's fa fantastic. So, you know, most of my friends say the white horse is antichrist, but I'll say this, Alicia, I'm not 100% sure on that. Either way, it is conquering the world without weapons through some, whether it's diplomacy, whether it's nice or forced honest, like things are happening right now. It's just remarkable to watch all of these things uh, happen, isn't it? Uh, let me move on. Uh, do you believe the prophets, this is from CS, are saying that Trump is coming back and a revival? Listen, I don't pay attention to any of that. This is, this is what I say. Um, there are a whole bunch of people, okay? This might tick off some people. That's fine. On November 4th, the day after the election, I, I didn't want to hear any more of it. Regardless, listen, I had so many people that said, uh, Trump was going to win in a landslide, and this was going to happen, and that was going to I don't care what the reason is for why Biden is president. I do know this much. God is sovereign. 
God wants him there. I personally believe that he is a judgment on America. So all these videos were coming out saying all this stuff is going to happen. It didn't happen. All of this other, these other people are saying this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I don't pay attention to that. I consider it nonsense. This is where I get the prophetic word from. I get it from the Bible. And, and I pay attention to what the Bible says. And the problem is this, that too many people are looking for a political leader. People on the left are looking for a political leader. People on the right are looking for a political leader. Listen, you're, you're going to be in trouble. We need to be looking for Jesus Christ. Because the people who are looking for a political leader, one is coming. He's known as Antichrist or the Beast. He's going to appeal to the left. He's going to appeal to the right. People are going to say, this is marvelous. Now we finally have our leader and we can all get along. That's the direction this is going. And people are looking all over the place for that political leader. I'm going to tell you, you might get really mad at me for saying this, but you need to stop doing that. If you're doing that, stop doing that. Look to Jesus Christ and look only to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one that can save us. Hi, Pastor Tom. This is from Michael. Uh, do you think the great fall of Babylon is America? Okay. Uh, great question. I've been saying for months I need to do a message just on this. I did Revelation 17 this morning. I'm doing Revelation 18 next Sunday morning. So after I get done with both of those chapters, I think I, what I'll do for you guys, I'm going to do a message just on this Babylon and America. What are they? Are they the same? Um, We'll answer it then. In fact, so I'm not even going to tell you what I think right now because I want you to watch that. So thank you for that question. Listen, I'm going to have to, um, uh, to uh, uh, move on here in just a second. I'm almost done. Uh, can you speak to, this is Jonathan, can you speak to Revelation chapter 3, verse 9? Revelation, I'm not sure what you want me to speak to it, but Revelation chapter 3, verse 9 says... Um, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and know that I have loved you. Um, so when you look at this, you read about the synagogue of Satan, you read about these different things, and you have different thoughts when you read it from different theologians throughout history. Here's the real problem that I see it. You can read way too much into this, so I'll make it real quick. Uh, when you look at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 9, uh, Paul makes the case that all Jews who say they're Jews are Jews. Paul is talking about the subject of faith. There are Jews who have faith in Yeshua. He's saying that's genuine, the just shall live by faith. Abraham, for example, uh, lived by faith and it was counted to him for righteousness. So, there's, so it's a reference to believing Jews versus non-believing Jews. And, and so you put it into that context, then it starts to make sense. And the problem is this, when you read the wrong thing into Revelation chapter 3 or other passages or Romans chapter 9, you end up developing this thing called replacement theology. And you start to say, God's done with Israel. Uh, the Jews have no right to the land. Uh, the Jews shouldn't even be here. It's very anti-Semitic. It's anti-Zionist. It's all of that stuff. So you need to be careful on how you are interpreting the Bible and interpret Romans chapter 9 correctly and the rest of it will fall into place. Uh, question, somebody said you skipped my question. I don't know what the question was. This has to be, um, uh, thank you, Lori Lyons. I want to say you said no, China is not a major player. Thank you for listening to me, listening to my friend James also. Um, uh, unrelated question, are you the, of the opinion Oh, I lost it. I'm, I'm losing these questions. I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? I want to find this question. Um, if um, depression is a sin, um, what do you think, Kevin? So here's the deal. When it comes to depression, people get depressed for all different sorts of reasons. Uh, there's there's um, doubt and despair that can lead you to the point of just being living in this pit. Think of it like this. You have Elijah. There is no doubt that Elijah was in a fit of depression. Elijah wanted to... He wanted to die. God, take my life. And you start looking at that. And what it comes from is, is from the spiritual side, it's, it's, it's not being able to have the right faith that you need. David uh, battled with this. You read some of the Psalms. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you cast down within me? That's a reference to what David was feeling. So it's normal for people to go through these ebbs and flows. Some people got mental disorders and all these different things. So when it comes to something like that, you can't just give a blanket statement uh, to uh, something like that. Um, the 200 mil, okay, let's see. I got time for one more question. Um, question, question, question. Do our pastors... Uh, do our pastors to help the church to get organized? Think Black Robe Regiment, George Washington Underground Network. Uh, listen, some uh, pastors do that. Jack Hibbs, uh, Tim Thompson from uh, my sister church, 412 Church in Murrieta. I preach Christ. And uh, there's people that are very involved and follow me, get very involved. We have a, um, a, a town hall meeting coming up at the church I pastor in just a few weeks. We're expecting a thousand adults. They're teachers and parents, and it's dealing with the school district. I believe there's a fight at the school district right now, not physical, but a fight for our children to save our lives. Uh, question, this has to be the last one because I really got to get going. Can you do a quick talk about Kingdom Now Theology? Uh, yeah, I tell you what, I will do a quick talk about Kingdom Now Theology in the near future. Basically, it comes down to this. Is um, This will be real quick. It's a post um, millennial thought. It basically comes down to, we're going to fix the world as Christians, and then we're going to hand the world, the beautiful world, after we fix it, we're going to hand it over to Jesus. <laughs> and there's, I, I don't see how people believe that. Uh, people who believe that say we're getting better and better and better, but it's that thought that is causing churches and pastors to say, let's just go along with this. All of these things we see happening right now by these globalists, these are all wonderful ideas. Why is bringing the world together? It's the perfect setup when you go down Kingdom Now Theology to believe in the globalist system and the worship that comes during the last days. It is the perfect setup. Thank you for your questions. Um, listen, I'm going to get going. I'll be back here next week. We're going to continue with the book of Joel. I'm going to take more of your questions live. Get them ready this week. Thank you. I, I, I didn't read the super chats. Thank you. It's too hard on my phone. We're going to try and figure out some of the electronic things here so I can read the super chats and so forth and, and to read those questions that come in along with everybody else's questions. And I want to thank you for everybody who did send a super chat. Every single donation you guys make is huge to us. This ministry is not funded by the, ch the church I pastor at all. In fact, it's completely separate. It's only by your guys' help. So I really appreciate it. Uh, any donation, you can do at hopeforourtimes.com. Um, and uh, so anyways, that's how we do this stuff. Um, but with that, listen, Jesus is coming. And uh, I can't wait 
to see you guys next week right here or during the week. I have several videos I'll be posting and um, looking forward to seeing you guys if we're not raptured by then. God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.